We thank you for your wonderful faithfulness that we've experienced all of 2016. We do not take your blessings and your goodness for granted. We thank you because you are the creator of all flesh. We acknowledge you as such. You are Father who are in heaven and we thank you. We thank you that you have loved us with an everlasting love. A love that is unmovable, that is unshakable, that is unlimited, unconditional. We embrace that love tonight. Thank you for every blessing of 2016. Thank you for the growth opportunity through the challenges of 2016. Lord, everything that was thrown at us was intended to stop us. But instead, it helped us to grow, to learn of your faithfulness, and to partake of your goodness. And for that we say, thank you. And so, Lord God, we thank you in advance for the new year that's just around the corner. Thank you for having chosen us to participate in this new dispensation. And we have a confident expectation that you who has begun this good work in us, you're more than able to complete it and to perfect it. So with great anticipation, we say welcome to 2017. Because we know that our God is a good God. Hallelujah. Say welcome. Say welcome. 2017. I've been waiting for you. Because in this year, there will be unveiling of God's goodness in my life and your life in Jesus name good please go with me in your bible this evening to Luke chapter 4 verse 18 thank you it's there already wow amen let me begin to read from verse 18 Luke chapter 4 it says the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor he has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Then he closed the book and gave it back to the attendant and sat down. And the eyes of all who were in the synagogue were fixed on him. And he began to say to them, today this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. So all bore witness to him and marveled at the gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. And they said, is this not Joseph's son? He said to them, you surely 
say this proverb to me. Physician, heal yourself. Whatever we have heard done in Capernaum, do also here in your country. Then he said, I surely I say to you, no prophet is accepted in his own country. But I tell you truly, many widows were in Israel in the days of Elijah. When the heaven was shut up three years and six months, and there was great famine throughout all the land. But to none of them was Elijah sent, except to Zarephath, in the region of Sidon, to a woman who was a widow. And many lepers were in Israel in the time of Elisha, the prophet, and none of them was cleansed except Naaman the Syrian. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city and they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built that they might throw him down over the cliff. Then passing through the midst of them, he went his way. And so tonight I'm going to use a subject title, The Acceptable Year of the Lord. The Acceptable Year of the Lord. This passage I just read is a very, very, very important passage in the life and ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. This was the very first time he preached or shared in his hometown's synagogue. Very first time. Now, I need to give a context so you can appreciate what God is saying to us as the story unfolded back over 2,000 years ago. Let me just read two verses again and then I'm going to get into it. It said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set a liberty those who are oppressed and to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Now, I need to give you this, this context so you can appreciate that verse 19 when it says the acceptable year of the Lord. The acceptable year of the Lord is speaking to them back then and to us today of the Lord's Jubilee. The Lord's Jubilee was first introduced in Leviticus chapter 25 verses 1 through 10. When God gave Israel a plan that every 50 years all debts will be canceled, all slaves will be released, and all properties will be returned to their original owners every 50 years. And so, for many years thereafter in Leviticus 25, every 50 years, Israel did just that. Until the time of the second temple. And because of sin and disobedience, 
they stopped celebrating or honoring God's instruction concerning the Jubilee. Now, I'm sharing this so you can understand the context that Jesus walked into. So when Jesus walked into the synagogue on that day, for at least 600 previous years, there had been no jubilee in Israel. They were aware of it. They had read about it. They knew what God did. But for 600 long years, there had been no jubilee, even though they were well aware of what jubilee meant. So when Jesus stepped into that synagogue and picked up Isaiah chapter 61, who had spoken about this jubilee, and he announced that day that the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor, to proclaim liberty to those who are captives, to heal the brokenhearted, to give recovery of sight to the blind, and to set at liberty those who are oppressed. And then he went along and put a capstone on those statements by saying, the acceptable year of the Lord, which other translations call the favorable year of the Lord. Immediately, when you read the text, the Bible says those guys, in verse 22, all but witness to him and marveled at the gracious, gracious words which proceeded out of his mouth. These words was what they had been waiting for. They were waiting for somebody to announce to them that what God had done previously, God was about to begin to do it again. Now, let me back up a little bit. The five things Jesus named, gospel to the poor, recovery of sight to the blind, proclaiming liberty to the captives, healing the brokenhearted, and setting at, setting at liberty those that are bruised. Those five things are really the manifestation of sin. A sin-bruised world produces poverty. It produces broken heart. It keeps people captive. It gets them blinded. Sin does not allow people to see. They can't see. They don't have right judgment because of sin. And of course... It bruises or wounds people. And tonight, just as Jesus made that declaration, years ago, I'm here to announce to you that Jesus, who is our jubilee, is here. Amen. Hallelujah. Not only is Jesus our jubilee here, I'm declaring to you tonight that your debts are being canceled in the name of Jesus. Oh, some of you are just some of you don't some of you don't really believe it yet because you see some of us some of us can't believe it until it happens. And if you are waiting for it to happen to believe it, you are too late. 
Not only are debts going to be canceled in 2017, people that have been enslaved by sin and bondage to iniquity and wickedness shall be set free in Jesus' name. Properties shall be restored. You've done business. You've encountered a loss. You have had a loss in your column somewhere or the other. I am telling you that this is the Lord's jubilee, not because of you, but because of him. Hallelujah. Now, so for 600 years, nothing has happened. So when Jesus opened the scroll and announced to them that this is the acceptable year of the Lord, immediately it clicked. And then in verse 21, it said something that totally, completely caught them off guard. He said, this day, say this day. This day. <laughs> Some of you don't really, you don't, say this day. this day. He said to them, this day, the scriptures are fulfilled in your ears. In other words, not tomorrow. In other words, not next week. Not next month. Right now, as you're hearing and believing what you are hearing, this day, what you are hearing about God's deliverance to the poor, about God's recovery of sight, about God setting the oppressed go free, this day, right now, as you hear it and embrace it and believe it, it's going to be fulfilled in your life. Not tomorrow. Not next week. That's what he was sent to them. He said, this day, what you are hearing right now will be fulfilled in your ears. Why is he saying that? Because he knew that he is the Jubilee. Now, let me tell you something else that is so amazing. Folks, I'm telling you, there is nothing accidental in the kingdom of God. Everything is orchestrated according to the divine plan. Even you being here right now this moment, hearing this message, either here or virtually. Because on the day that Jesus was speaking, the rabbinical books and the Jewish history has told us that for 600 previous years, there was no jubilee. But on that day, as Jesus entered the synagogue and opened the scroll, that was the year that Jubilee should have been in Israel. Oh, you don't understand it. In other words, something that had not been, that God had ordained and God had already put in motion, that had for 600 years not happened. The day Jesus stepped in there, that day in God's calendar, on the earth was Jubilee. I'm saying to you, I don't care how sick you've been for the last 600 years. I don't care how poor and broke you have been. It does not matter how blind you have been for 600 years. This is your Jubilee. The Spirit of God is here to make something happen in your life. 
It doesn't matter how many witches, how many wizards, how many demons, how many, how many satanic forces have been against you. This is the acceptable year of the Lord. This is the year of the Lord's favor concerning you. My friends, we need to understand the visitation of God. We need to understand when God enters a room. It does not matter what chaos was there before then. It does not matter what was not happening. When God enters a space, everything in the space gives way. Because the creator of the space is here. And I'm telling you tonight, by the spirit of God, that Jesus Christ, our jubilee, is here. And it's for you, not against you. Hallelujah! I cannot go through all the five things. The gospel to the poor. The proclaiming liberty to the captives. The healing of the brokenhearted. The recovery of sight. And setting at liberty those who are oppressed. I can't go through all the five. There's too much stuff. But let me just take one. So you understand how it works. And so you understand what your jubilee, your acceptable year of the Lord has in store for you. Now, in years past, we may say this is the year of prosperity, year of this, year of that. And that's good. But God warned me this year. He said, don't cannibalize me. Don't pigeonhole me and nail me to the wall as a God of just prosperity or favor or this or that. He said, I own the world. I own January, I own February, I own March, April, May, June, July, August, September, October, December. I am the God of the whole year. And my year, he says, is an acceptable year. Which means, which means, what that term means, this is the year that we will see the manifestation, pastor, of God's mercy. Hey, hallelujah. Say, neighbor, say it. Make an announcement. Make a faith announcement. Say, neighbor, this is my year to experience the manifestation of God's mercy in every area of my life. Welcome 2017. I've been waiting for you. Hallelujah. So let me just take one. The recovery of a sight to the blind. Because sin's job, the job of sin, sinfulness, the sin of the world, the job is to blind you and I so we can see the plan of God. And to sell us the wrong bill of goods. 
Go ask Samson, Judges chapter 16. Don't turn there. A man who was called by God, ordained by God from birth, with a destiny to be a deliverer of Israel. But he mortgaged his destiny for a cheap thrill. And the consequence of that was he became blinded. But go with me quickly to Mark chapter, chapter 10. Mark chapter 10. Since I don't have time to look at all the five points, but let me just take one and use that one to give us the pattern, the roadmap for everything else that's happening in your life. Mark chapter 10, beginning to, to read from verse 46. This story is a very familiar one. Mark 10, 46. Now they came to Jericho. As he went out of Jericho with his disciples, and a great multitude, blind Bartimaeus, the son of Timaeus, sat by the road begging. You will not beg in 2017. No matter what's happening in your life, you will not lack bread. The Lord your God, who brought you this far, will take you over. In the name of Jesus. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth, he began to cry out and say, see this is what I'm telling you to say. Do you see how you receive? You don't receive by just sitting. Oh my goodness. You guys, listen, we, we will be here till 5 a.m. until you get this. So if you don't want to be here till 5 o'clock, you better get it. This is how you get from God. Whatever you are looking for, the tool is in your mouth. Life and death, the power of it is in the what? Tongue. You cannot sit back there looking dandy and good and just being sophisticated. You say, Pastor, you know, we don't need to talk. This is 2016, 2017. Come on. You need to say it. He began to cry out and say, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on me. No, just so you know, Jesus is not deaf. He could have whispered and Jesus would hear him. Amen. But for the interferences, all of those around you that don't see what you are seeing, they've not heard what you're hearing, they don't understand why you are so moved, they don't know what's biting you because of their sake. You crowd, Jesus, the Son of God. No, he's not deaf. But what's paining me? My God, nobody else knows it. You may be looking good and dandy, but the thing that's biting me is compelling me not to be sophisticated. So for me, I'll say, Jesus! Crowd and say, Jesus, son of David. Notice what he said. Notice his petition. What did God say this year will be? The acceptable, which is the year of the manifestation of what? His mercies. Bartimaeus, have mercy on me. Next verse. So, Jesus, 
Verse 47, please. Verse 48. Then many want him to be quiet. No, verse 47. What's another thing? Okay, good. And when he heard that it was Jesus of Nazareth. No, no. Okay, okay, okay. I'm wrong. You're right. You got it. Verse 48. Then many want him to be quiet. So when you tell me to be quiet, what, what, what will I do? Oh, okay. Now you're, you're getting it now. You're getting it now. Oh, no, no, it doesn't take that much. Just chill down. Chill oh, down. no, no, no. Chill, chill, chill. You are, I'm getting it. Oh, you got it. <laughs> Praise God. Praise God. People were telling him he doesn't take that much. Did they know what's paining you? Did they know what you are looking for? The more they told him to chill down, the Bible says the more he cried all the more, son of David! Oh, man. I, I, I don't have time. <laughs> Amen. Amen. <laughs> I don't have time to unpack this. You see, you see, uh, the worship team just sang some medleys a moment ago when they were talking about God in the vernacular language and they were calling God by names that is not found in the Bible. You can't even find those names. But they made it up based on their experience of who God is. Bartimaeus here. First he said Jesus of Nazareth. But as the thing was paining him, he went beyond Jesus. Jesus, let me let you know. I know your pedigree. I know the stone from which you were hung. I know, Jesus, that you are the son of all, David. If you will not hear me for calling your name Jesus, hear me for calling the, the name of your father. Oh my goodness. You guys, Pastor Nee, are you understanding what I'm saying? Yes. Son of David! Have mercy on me. Notice, he has not changed his petition. He's not confused about what he wants. I began with mercy. Even though people are trying to shut me down, I'm staying where? In mercy. Next verse. Verse 49. So, Jesus stood. He just didn't stand. He stood where? Still. My God. I don't know if you have ever been in the military. Chief is here tonight. When they say, stand. Bah! No more movement. Well, well, you, you don't stand still and still be fidgeting. Uh, like today, these young kids today, you stand still, they're doing like this. They, all kinds of gyration. The Bible says, Jesus stood still at attention. Your cry puts God on attention think about that so Jesus stood still and commanded him to be called then he called the blind man saying to him be of good cheer rise he's calling you verse 50 ha this is the key and throwing aside the what his garment let me park there for a minute. 
you will miss what he's saying if you don't understand scriptures. The garment makes the man or the woman. Remember Exodus 28? When God was ordaining the priesthood, he called Aaron and his sons out of the tribe of Israel and in distinction of their office as priests was that he must make them special garments. Exodus 28 verse 2 calls them garments of glory and of beauty. So when they walked around the congregation, Everybody will know, oh, the priest is coming. Oh, the priest is coming. Oh, that's a priest. Ah, oh, that's Aaron. Elijah. Oh, Abihu. They knew them. How did they know them? Their garments. The garment set them apart. In Matthew chapter 22, the Bible talks about a person who came to a wedding without a garment. What happened? They threw him out. Ejected. Because garment represents who you are. Isaiah chapter 61 talks about the garments of our salvation. He talks about the robes of our righteousness. He talks about the garment of praise. When you put it on, we know what's going on. Praise is on the way. I'm saying this for you to understand what Bartimaeus did. As a blind man that was a beggar, the garment he had upon him had defined him. That garment had labeled him. Ah, no good. This one, professional beggar. But immediately Jesus called for him. He had enough sense to know that his identity was about to change. He understood that today is today. I will no longer be labeled as a beggar. I will no longer be labeled as a blind man. I'm changing my garment. Do you remember the story of Joseph who was in prison? Who thought his dream will never come to pass? While he was in prison, a call came to summon him to come and see the king. Nobody had to tell him that to see a king, you must change your garment. Joseph, hallelujah, after having shaved, the next thing he did was throw away his old garment. Bartimaeus knew that change was coming his way. For you and I, it may not be a physical garment. What are the impediments of your faith? What are the things that have labeled you as a failure? Things you see every day that reminds you that you failed last week. You failed last month. What are the things that's eaten away at the foundation of your righteousness? Whatever it is, you need to lay it aside. You need to lay it aside. That's what Bartimaeus did. <laughs> I need to tell you this. When you call on God or when you pray, you cannot pray once and then relent. I want you to understand what's happening with Bartimaeus. 
He cried out. And the crowd around him tried to shut him down. What caused him to prevail was a constancy of his faith. In other words, he never let up. And for you and I, we may not be needing anything. We may not need God to do anything for us. But that does not mean we don't walk in faith. That's a danger for us. That's a dangerous place to be in. Because you are not asking God for something. Because you are not petitioning for something. To relax and not to walk in the constancy. Constancy of faith means walking in faith 24-7. Amen? So in anticipation of the move of God in his life, he cast away his garment. Now let's just read one or two verses there, then we'll move on. In verse 51, so Jesus answered him and said to him, what do you want me to do for you? The blind man said to him, Rabboni, that I may receive my sight. Then Jesus said to him, go your way. Your faith has made you well. And immediately he received his sight and followed Jesus on the road. When did it happen? Immediately. Immediately. But what did he bring to God? Faith. He believed he would receive something. Are you believing tonight? Huge. So the recovery of sight speaks in this passage to a person who needed physical healing. But let me give another example because it's not all about physical healing in blindness. Paul prayed the prayer in Ephesians chapter 1. That the eyes of our understanding may be enlightened. You see, a man or a woman whose eyes are not enlightened, in other words, you're not seeing what God sees, you're still blind. You may be able to see 2020, but still blind. So in Acts chapter 9, Acts chapter 9, hallelujah. Acts chapter 9, Beginning from verse uh, verse 8. Then Saul arose from the ground and when his eyes were opened he saw no one. But they led him by the hand and brought him into Damascus. And he was there three days without sight and neither ate nor drank. So we know that Paul was not blind originally. But he was blind regarding the things of God. He had no understanding prior to this time of the things of God. Okay? So in verse 10, now there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias. And I'm praying that in 2017 you'll be that certain disciple. Amen. <laughs> I said in 2017 you'll be God's helper of destiny in somebody's life. In the name of Jesus. A certain disciple named Ananias. Okay? And to him the Lord said in the vision, Ananias, and he said, Here I am, Lord. I am praying that in 2017, 
our ears will be open. The Bible says, my sheep hear my voice. And at the voice of a strange one, they will not follow. You will hear the voice of God in 2017 in Jesus' name. This is critical. If Ananias did not hear God, what would have happened to Paul's destiny? Huge. Moving on. So in verse 11, the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire the house of Judas for the one called Saul of Tarsus. For behold, he's praying. And in a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias coming. Coming in and putting his hand on him so that he might receive his sight. Then Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man how much harm he has done to your sins in Jerusalem. And here, he has authority from the chief priests to ban all who call to your name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for it's a chosen vessel of mine to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel, for I will show him how many things he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias went his way and entered the house and laid his hands on him. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road as you came has sent me to you that you may receive your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales and he received his sight at once and he arose and was baptized. Listen. In all of these situations, Jesus did not give any lecture. He did not give any principles. He did not establish any programs. In fact, when we were told in Luke 4, verse 18, that he's preaching the gospel to the poor, he's proclaiming liberty to the captives, he's bringing healing to the brokenhearted, he's recovering sight to those who are blind, and he's setting a liberty to them that are bruised. All of those things. And then he sat down and said, this day is this scripture fulfilled in your ears. Notice, Jesus did not hold for them a seminar on how to take care of the poor. He did not give them 15 steps of recovery of sight. He did not give them seven things you must do in order to set the captives free. None of that. What I'm about to tell you is huge. The ministry of Jesus has nothing to do with how to. Let me say that again. What Jesus is teaching you and I here has nothing to do with how to do this or how to do that. When he sat down and said, this day, the scriptures is fulfilled in your ears. What he was saying is, you don't need how to, but you need who will. This is a presentation. In other words, he was sent to them this day when he sat down. This day, the scriptures is fulfilled. In other words, I am your jubilee. It's not about how, how, how. It's about who. In other words, if you are hungry and you need bread 
And you need to find a way to keep, to keep yourself. Eight times in the book of John alone, Jesus did not give us the how to, he just gave us who. Hallelujah. If you need bread, if you are hungry, say, I am the bread of life. Not teaching you how to go get bread, but I want you to know it stops with me. I am the bread of life. If you need light, enhancement, enlightenment, direction, Jesus is not giving us principles of how to get direction, how to find our way. He simply says in John chapter 8, I am the light of the world. If you need protection, he said to us in John chapter 10, I am the good shepherd. If you need someone to open a door or an opportunity, he says, don't look any further. I am the door. Oh, hallelujah. If your dreams have died and been packed up in the cold freezer, like Joseph, I must imagine, for years after I had a vision of being a leader, and for years nothing happened. Jesus has your number tonight. In John chapter 11, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. That dream, that plan, that vision that you had of something good happening to you and nothing has happened for years, God wants you to know this is your acceptable year of the Lord and he will bring that thing from the cooler, he will bring it out of the freezer, he will give life to it and a vision that looked as dead as a doornail will have life yet again. In the name of Jesus. Hallelujah. In John 14 verse 6, he told those guys, I am the way. He's not showing you the way. He's not trying to teach you how to find the way. Don't look any further. Don't look at all these plans. Look at me. I am the way. Don't go to school to learn how to know my truth. I am the truth. Don't try to get life from anything outside of me. I am that life. And if you want to be fruitful, my God, you don't have to go and find a plan or a teaching or a principle on fruitfulness. He simply says, I am the true vine. In other words, you connect with me, you know me, you come to me as a person. I am telling you, no matter how poor, no matter how bad, no matter how terrible, no matter all the mistakes you've made on earth, because he is the true vine, you are guaranteed to succeed. Yeah. Hallelujah! So he's not trying to help me and you to find a program or some nice lofty principle. He just simply says, focus on me. Make me your focus. Know me. I'm the Lord of year. I'm the Lord of Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. Anything you want, I'm Lord of it. When you know me and connect with me, you get everything. That's what he told them. That's what he's doing. And that's what he's going to do in our lives. Now, let me bring this way close. Let me bring this way close. So when they heard him, after he's declared to them that Jubilee was here, they were all excited and they said, wow, this is so marvelous. 600 years we've not had a Jubilee and now here you are declaring the acceptable year of the Lord Wow, we like this. This is marvelous. So on the one hand, they were telling him how marvelous it is. But on the other hand, they were actually talking to him and saying, show us a shine. We've heard of all the miracles you did in Capernaum. 
Now you are home with us. You are homeboy. Why? How dare you do those miracles in Capernaum? You're not doing it here. Do something. Show us a sign. I love Jesus. They didn't open their mouths to say it, but they read them. Before they could utter it, he answered them. He said, I know, a prophet is not without honor, except in his own country. He said, I know you are sent to me, physician, heal yourself. I mean, he just went down the line. Now, remember, these guys a minute ago were saying, how marvelous. This is gracious. This is marvelous. He said, I know you're saying that because something good is coming your way. Now, let me tell you how God thinks. He said, in the days of Elijah, when heaven was shut for three and a half years, God did not send a prophet to any widow in Israel except to Sidon. That's modern day Lebanon. And not only that, in the day of Elisha, there were many lepers in Israel. And to none of them was Elisha sent except to Naaman. Again, in Syria. Now, if you understand the Jewish culture, anytime you talk about Gentiles, the Jews of that day believed that the Gentiles were only good candidates for hell and to be kept there forever. True. True. They didn't believe that anything good can come out of the Gentile nations. So Jesus, when he heard them say, this is grace, marvelous, he said, really? Let's find out how it is. Let's really find out if you understand this grace you're talking about. So he was pushing their envelope. In the days of Elijah, God blessed somebody in Lebanon. In the days of Elisha, he blessed somebody in Syria. Oh my God. Read their reaction. The Bible said they were filled with wrath. How dare you talk about those dogs in a sanctuary? That's the reaction. And Jesus was doing that so they would understand that their grace we are just receiving is balanced with truth. John 1.17 For grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. Grace you like, but truth you don't like it. The love of God is not to be constrained. Yes, he loves the Jews, but Jews, hear me, the same God that loves you loves the Gentiles because God is a God of the entire earth. You may not like it, but you need to understand. And I'm saying to someone here tonight, my God, this new year will be our acceptable year of the Lord. But you've got to turn your hearts towards God. You have got to take seriously the things that God takes seriously. You should not be walking around in 2017 passing by Gentiles, heathens, people who don't know God, for which God died, and you are just satisfied with status quo Christianity. You are just satisfied to enjoy the presence of God just for you. You need to know God has a vested interest in his whole creation. The Bible says the entire creation is groaning. 
They are looking for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God. If you call yourself a son of God, if you call yourself a daughter of God, the earth is waiting for you. Where have you been? What are you doing? I remember years ago, the first time Pastor Dollar ever went to Nigeria with me. We got to the airport and all this mob of people in Lagos mobbed us. And they said, welcome, welcome. Welcome, Creflo Dollar. And I said, we just have one question for you, Creflo. Where have you been? What took you so long? And that's what God is saying concerning us in this new year. You cannot, you should not be just about your business. That is too cheap. That is too sloppy. That is not good. We must balance this grace with truth. And the truth is, for God so loved the world, he gave his only bigger reason. The world is waiting to hear of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. Will you tell it? Will you carry it? Will you proclaim it? Will you announce it? Will you join with what God is doing? His heart is beating for the nations. His heart is beating for every child, every man, every woman that is ever birthed to come to know him. Will you do your part? Now, for that crowd, years ago, they didn't want to hear it. Not only did they not want to hear it, they said, for saying this, we're going to kill you. Read it. I'm not making it up. Luke chapter 4. These same people who were excited moments ago, immediately he challenged them with truth. They said, you? You son of Jacob? Um, son of uh, Joseph? Do you, do, 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 do you know who you're talking to? And the Bible said, they led him out of the synagogue to the brow of the city where there was a cliff getting ready to throw him off the cliff. Now, this is the irony. Remember what they were asking God for? A sign. They were asking him to perform a miracle. Do you remember that? Oh, cool. let's go read it because you guys are looking at me very funny. Oh, no, no, no. Look chapter 4. Look chapter 4. You guys were shouting a minute ago. You guys are like, like those Jews. You like the death cancellation? You like the liberty? Now truth came to balance the grace. You are looking at me very funny. The Lord deliver all of you in Jesus' name. <laughs> Praise God. Luke chapter 4. Look at what happened. Verse 28. So all those in the synagogue, when they heard these things, were filled with wrath and rose up and thrust him out of the city. Can you imagine that? And they led him to the brow of the hill on which their city was built, that they might throw him down over the cliff. I mean, what kind of rage? I mean, people have done crazy things inside churches, but I've never seen a church where they let a person out and say, we, today we... we. <laughs> That's what these guys were doing. But look at verse 30. Then, passing through the midst of them, he went his way. You want to know if Jesus is the son of God? You want to know? They were asking for a sign. He was not going to give it to them, but he gave them something that they will never forget. <laughs> this is so powerful. You need to understand what just happened. You see, when Jesus told us later 
that no one can take his life. Except he lays it down. You didn't understand it. Now here they try to take it. But because they cannot take it unless he let it down, he said, you guys don't know, I'm your creator. You, my creatures, going to kill the creator? Do you, are you in your right mind? I can just see them. Rage. Oh, today. Oh, we will finish it today. He just merely walked in their midst and disappeared. He was gone. What clearer proof that no man can kill him. He vanished. The next thing you know, he was somewhere else preaching. Listen, our God is not dead. <laughs> oh, hallelujah. Muhammad died and is buried. His grave remains. He can never get up. Buddha died and is buried. And his grave remains. Can never get up. But not our God. He has death in his back pocket. That's why it's called the resurrection and the life. Now, how do we get him into our business? How do I get Jesus to respond in my case? Remember, it's not about giving lectures and lessons and principles. Seven steps to healing. Seven steps to prosperity. I'm telling you, it's a waste of time. If you learn one thing in 2017, just know him. Amen. Everything I'm saying tonight is just that. Just get to know him. Amen. Notice in Exodus. He said, I am the Lord that healed thee. He didn't say I'm healing. Did you hear that? He didn't say I'm healing. No, no, no. I'm the Lord that healeth. It's him. Everything is in him. I just want to give you something very simple tonight that will help you. And I want to call this God's delivery system. Very simple. You already know of it, but you don't know how it works. Luke 22. Luke 22. I'm almost done. Luke 22. Let me give you God's delivery system. In fact, it's raining outside. The blessings have started. You're not going anywhere. The blessings have started. (laughs) Hallelujah. Luke 22. And he took bread and gave thanks and broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And then again in 1 Corinthians 11. 1 Corinthians 11 verses 24 and 25. 1 Corinthians 11 verses 24 and 25. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take it. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in 
remembrance of me. Now, God's delivery system for whatever you are looking for is found in communion. That's his delivery system. Now, I'm not saying that you don't walk in faith. No, 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 no. I'm saying to you, your faith walks through what we're about to share now. You have to believe God. But all of that believing walks through this delivery system. Now, what did Jesus say about communion? Say, do this what? In remembrance. Huge. That word remembrance is more in the original language than just merely recalling some event. In other words, if you say to me, where do you live? And I give you my address. I remember my address. Well, this word remembrance in the original language is beyond that. It's beyond just knowing or recalling a person's name, an address, or some information. It's part of it, but more than that. Remembrance in the original language also means to experience a past event again through the physical, through reenactment. To experience again a past event in the physical through reenactment. Now, let me give you some examples that will bring this home to you. If your great-grandfather died, he died 10, 15, 20 years ago, on the anniversary of that death, what, what do people do? They have a memorial service or a remembrance. So when you do that memorial service or that remembrance service, what happens? The memories of your great-grandfather, when he was alive, comes back. Ah, are you guys here? You went to school for 19 years and you finally graduated. After 19 years, they said today is your graduation. When you march on that platform and they give you that diploma, can you ever forget, sir? I know. 19 years of tuition. You know how that is. It's not free. So when you recall your graduation day, the joy of the completion and the excitement of something that happened in your life comes back the day you remember it. Do you understand what I'm saying? This is the reason over and over and over God told Israel, remember a memorial. You cross through Jordan, put 12 stones. The stones will remind you of my faithfulness to deliver you. Every time you see the stones, it brings back a recall a reminder of how good and how faithful God had been to you. Build a memorial and Ebenezer to help you know God has helped me this far. So Jesus is saying, you are poor. You need recovery for sight. You need to be set at liberty because you are being held captive. You are broken hearted. Whatever it is you need, Jesus said, listen, don't run after principles, run after me. Remember me, remember me. Remember means 
You just saw what he did with blind Bartimaeus. You read it. So in your time of need, you bring that experience of what happened to blind Bartimaeus, bring it to the now by recalling through Jesus what he had done for Bartimaeus or something that's happened in your life. But how do you do that? We do that through the delivery system of communion. And that's how we're going to end the service right now. Everyone should have an emblem. And if you don't have one, please serve everybody. I don't know what your needs are tonight. I don't know what's ailing you. I don't know what you're believing God for. But whatever it is has a name. And what, what, whatever the name of that situation is, there is a name that is above every name. Tell me, you have one? Okay. There is a name that is above every name. And the Bible assures us that at that name of Jesus, every knee must bow. And every tongue must confess that Jesus is Lord. If you are sick in your body tonight, I'm telling you, I'm offering you God's delivery system to receive your healing. If the enemy has been harassing you tonight, you must have the assurance that his body was broken so that yours will not have to be broken. If you are oppressed by anything, tonight as you partake of this bread, which represents his flesh or his body, please raise your hands if you need any more. Please raise your hands so they will know who you are, so they can serve you. Hallelujah. Be patient, it's coming. They are coming. Thank you, Pierre. Thank you. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Mm.